Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Hey, Faith family. As you can see, obviously, we're not able to join you in person today. We're just taking some time away. And we do hope that you've enjoyed your Thanksgiving season. Absolutely. You know, one of the great joys of mine and Pastor Lisa's life is to invest in and cultivate the gifts and the call and the talents of our next-gen leaders. For the last several years, we've been privileged to have a young man serving uh, faithfully here in the next-gen ministries at Faith Assembly Church as the pastor of Faith Youth. And today, we're excited to introduce him as your guest to bring the word in the house today. Would you just give it up right now for Pastor Brandon Jarman and make him welcome as he comes to encourage you with the word today. Well, what's up, everybody? Hello, checking. There we go. What's up, everybody? Are you guys excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Very good. Well, I'm excited to be with you, but first things first, I want to stop and first thing I want to honor and thank Pastor Steve and Lisa for trusting me with bringing this message to you. Uh, Next to Jesus and my family, they have changed my life more than most. And so before anything, can we just give it up for our amazing pastors today? They literally don't make them better, okay? We love you, Pastor Steve and Lisa, and I hope you are enjoying your time away. You more than deserve it. Well, are you guys ready for the word this morning? Very good, very good. Me too. But I must admit that this looks a little different than what I expected, okay? If you know me, you know I am a very sentimental person. And I always imagined that when this time uh, came for me to speak to you in an adult celebration service, I'd be doing it with green pews and green carpets staring back at me, right? I've attended this church for 25 years now. I know, crazy, right? And when I became youth pastor, I just assumed that one of these Sundays, I'd get to preach, right? That's kind of how it goes. And, uh, and while that thought kind of made my stomach want to turn, when I imagined it, I imagined doing it in our old sanctuary. I'm obviously so thankful for this opportunity, but as I was praying and dreaming for uh, what this message was going to be, the thought I missed the chance to preach in the room that shaped and molded me in its original state by just over one month. But just as soon as that thought of missing it by just over a month entered my mind, the Holy Spirit brought me a message, this message. I've entitled this message, Expectation Versus Reality. And while my expectation was to preach in a room way too big and surrounded by green, The reality is, is that I'm here now in this room, and God is using me in the same capacity, if not more so. Look around, guys. We have grown in the last two months. Come on, can we give some praise to the Lord for that? God is doing great things at Faith Assembly, and I am so excited to be here for it. Now, obviously, I'm making this a bigger deal for the purpose of the story, okay? Because in all actuality, it doesn't really matter, right? But all throughout the Bible, we read story after story after story that starts with an expectation that is different than the reality. Abraham expected God's promise of descendants outnumbering the stars in the sky to fail. So he took matters into his own hands. But the reality was that God is faithful and his plan is intricate and detailed 
and his timing is perfect. Abraham expected a ram way sooner, but the reality was that this was a test, and he needed to be faithful, even to the raising of a dagger before the ram was provided. The Israelites, they expected a perfect, easy life. They were God's chosen people after all, but the reality was that they were moved from oppression to oppression. They expected liberation without hardship, but the reality was they, is that they needed to experience difficulty to become who God created them to be. Moses, he expected to enter the promised land with the Israelites much sooner, but the reality was, what? He never even stepped foot in the land. Moses expected his brother Aaron to be able to hold down the fort long enough for him to go up the mountain, Mount Sinai, and receive the Ten Commandments. But the reality was that 40 days later, what happened? Aaron led the people to idol worship. Reality isn't always bad, though. David did not expect to become king. But after a long, hard journey, that's exactly what happened. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego expected to die in the fire, but the reality was they walked out without even smelling like smoke. David, or Daniel, expected to die in the lion's den, but walked out without even a scratch, right? Esther expected to die after she became queen, but instead was heard and saved her people. Peter expected to live as a nobody fisherman, but instead he was chosen to lead the greatest movement in history. Everyone expected Jesus to come as a mighty, victorious warrior on some white horse to free them from the oppression of Rome. But the reality was, he came as a meek and mild infant. Even his salvation of the world looked different than what they expected. But as I was thinking through you know, all the biblical stories and I was praying and, and deciding what story I should focus on for this message, Haggai stood out to me, okay? How many of you guys know who Haggai is? Haggai was a prophet, one of the last three minor prophets, and this story takes place near the end of the Old Testament, after the Jews are allowed to return to Jerusalem after the 70-year Babylonian exile. So they all return to Jerusalem, and it's in ruin, everything is destroyed, and of course, this is not how they expected their lives to go. But the Israelites all come together and they decide to get to work. And as good little believers in God, they decide to start with what? Rebuilding the temple. But two years in, the work stops. They turned their attention elsewhere, and then we pick up in Haggai chapter 1, verse 2. Starting in verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. 
Give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Verse 9 continues. It says, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Declares the Lord Almighty. Because of my house, which remains in ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, on the grain, on the new wine, the olive oil, and everything else the ground produces, on people and livestock and, all, on, and on all the labor of your hands. The Israelites, they turned their attention away from God's temple, God's kingdom, and instead decided to build their own houses, their own kingdoms. Of course, I'm sure they had their reasons, right? Let's come to their defense for just a little bit. Uh, I'm sure uh, the land, we know that it's in ruin. The work was hard. They had just returned from exile, and so they didn't have any money. They were either injured or many of them had been killed, so their numbers had dwindled. And while they were free, you know, the, Babylonian, the Babylonians uh, released them from exile, they still had enemies coming to attack them. And if we know the Israelites at all, they probably even considered going back to Babylon because it was an easier life. But their reasoning for the lack of work was nothing but thin-veiled excuses. God helps us do what most would consider impossible, and he could have helped them too. Amen? And so the Lord calls them out in verse 2. First, I want to make note of how he addresses the Israelites. He calls the Israelites his people, these people, instead of my people. Now, for all the students in the room, can I get an amen if you know that's how you're in trouble, okay? Whenever your mom calls your dad over and says, your children are acting up again, right? In that moment, you are not her children, okay? You are suddenly, exclusively just your fathers, right? Oh, yeah. And so we know that the Israelites are in trouble. God continues by saying that they've told themselves what to do and when to do it. The Jews, they tried to make their excuse sound spiritual. Of course, they knew they couldn't speak against the idea of building God's temple, right? That's a good thing. We need to do that, and they knew that too. So they knew they couldn't come against that idea, but what they did is they told themselves that it wasn't God's timing. They convinced themselves that it just wasn't in his, his will for that moment, right? Isn't that just rich? I wonder how many of us have avoided the work of the Lord because the timing just isn't right. We usually use that excuse when challenges arise or when things just aren't going our way, but when did God say that if things get hard, we must not be in the will of the Father? In fact, I'd say even persecution, difficulty, and challenges to overcome prove you are doing exactly what God wants. The enemy is working against you because he doesn't want you to succeed. When we are weak, guess who's made strong? God. And, our stre and his strength is displayed most powerfully when we can't do it on our own. Listen to this. Hardship 
is not an excuse to stop doing what God has asked you to do. However, we have to be cautious. Hardship is a difficult thing to decipher. As God continues in the following verses and tells the Jews that their continued suffering is not because they're in the will of God, but because of their disobedience. So we can't always rely on difficulties to prove that we are exactly in the will of God. Communication is the best way to, to receive clarity on a situation. Can I get an amen? Yes. And so God then continues his communication with the Israelites and asks them to consider if they really want to continue down the path that they're currently on. All of their work results in very little reward, if any at all. Their crops, they aren't doing well. They're never content. They are experiencing a drought. Their wine, their people, their livestock, and so much more is suffering due to their poor decisions. They were in the middle of a test, and they didn't even know it. God wanted to show them the correct order of priorities, right? And it took them hitting rock bottom before they woke up. And it's my prayer here today that if you are here and you need to wake up, it doesn't take a crisis for that to happen. Just like the Israelites expected an easy life building their kingdoms, we so often come with our own expectations, trying to do things our way. But God is over here trying to get our attention, doing everything he can possibly think up, and yet it doesn't always work when he wants to bring us back to reality. And the reality is God has written eternity on our hearts. So nothing in this world will satisfy us. Building our own kingdoms, you know, buying things to fill our homes. Uh, maybe we want that new car, that new iPhone, the latest show on Netflix, listening to the newest music, even uh, our doing our hobbies or spending time with our family and friends. None of that can satisfy us like God can. The reality is, God created us to worship him. The reality is he doesn't need us, but he includes us in his plan. He wants us. He calls us to build his kingdom, and we get to help move his divine plan forward. We get to do this. And that calling is so great that we must uh, stop building our own kingdoms and instead focus on building his. God's reality is better than our expectation could ever be. And that's good news this morning. Maybe you're sitting here today thinking to yourself, no, it ain't. But I'd encourage you to look at scriptures. Why was it better for Abraham to permanently traumatize Isaac with almost murdering him? Because God's faithfulness was proven yet again. Isaac now knows what great obedience and great sacrifice looks like and knows that God will always provide even when it's the 11th hour and it seems like all hope is lost. Why was it better for the Israelites to experience oppression from Egypt? Romans 5 verse 3 through 5, it says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. Character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out onto our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Got to get my coffee now. 
Why was it better for Jesus to come as a little baby, have the human experience, and then die a horrible, painful death on the cross? I asked my students the other day, and I asked them to describe the word meek, and they gave words like fragile, sad, weak, and quiet, or shy. And as a youth pastor, I must admit, I loved that that's what they said because I knew that I was about to blow their minds. I then told them that Jesus was described as meek and mild. And the look on their faces was amazing. I love y'all. But I told them that the word meek was best described as power under control. Picture a stallion, but with reins on, right? There are many reasons, of course, but for the sake of time and this message, we now have the perfect example of what it looks like to live with power under control. I won't unpack that in here, but I do feel a sermon coming on for the youth students in the new year, okay? All right? Will you guys stand with me this morning? When I was a kid, I wanted to be famous. I wanted nothing more than to be on Disney Channel and to star in the newest high school musical. Zac Efron was who I wanted to be, okay? I wasn't dumb either, all right? And I knew that my parents were not about to take me all the way to California. And so something had to give, right? I also had an overactive imagination. And so I convinced myself that somehow, some way, there was a producer or a director who heard about me all the way in California. And little eight-year-old Brandon thought he was so good that the producers made the trip all the way to Kinston, North Carolina. And kindly, get this, I thought for sure that they kindly broke into our house when no one was home and planted little hidden cameras everywhere in hopes of catching me exercise my raw, natural talent. They just wanted to see how good I was behind closed doors, right? I didn't need an audition. They just wanted to see how I was when no one was watching, right? Boy, when I tell you that I was singing and dancing in front of every random lamp and CD player. But the call to come star in a new TV show never came. The call to come and record the number one CD of 2000 whatever never came. I expected my life to look so different than it does right now. But the reality was that I was called into ministry at the age of 14. And without an ounce of pride, because all glory goes to God, I can honestly say that this is a better life. It's impossible to call to remembrance all the things that God has done through me, just as I'm sure he's done things through you too. Sometimes I look at my students, oh man, every time I practice the sermon, I cried during this part too. Just thinking about you guys. Sometimes I look at my students and where I am now, and I wish that I could go back to my younger self and tell him to stop building his own kingdom. 
I'm not perfect at it, and I have moments where I turn my attention away from building God's kingdom and instead resume building my own. But the moment that I decided to devote my life to building his kingdom is the moment that I stepped into a better life. Haggai chapter 1, verse 8 says, Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So often we, we climb the mountain and stay there on the mountaintop. We want to enjoy the view. We want to rest a while. How many of you guys know that it's nice on the mountaintop, right? We want to be there in our flesh. But the Lord has commanded that we go back down and build. Faith Assembly, the harvest is ripe. We need to come down off the mountain and get to work. And as we sing, I want to invite you to the altar. First, if you had a dream, like little eight-year-old Brandon, but God has called you to something different, and now you're wrestling with what your own wants and your own desires are, and what God wants you to do, what God's will for your life is. Maybe you're wrestling with those two things. I believe more than anything that God can help you with that decision, but God can also give you peace today. He will give you courage to do what needs to be done, and he will provide clarity if you ask him to bring it to you. And so if that's you, I want to pray with you here at the altar today. And then secondly, if you know what you're supposed to do, you know what you've been called to, but you've turned your attention away from building God's kingdom for too long, you stopped building his kingdom, you stopped uh, uh, building things, and instead you're desperately trying to make your own kingdom better, I want you to come today. Come and ask God for the strength, the conviction to come down the mountain and do the work that he has called you to. If you ask him for that help, he's going to give it to you. And so ask him to come be with you as you stop building your own kingdom and instead start building his. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.